In addition to asking Gene to speak about his life as a chamber musician and soloist, I also ask him to talk about the author Stephen Covey and his book, The Seven Principles of Highly Effective People, and how that has been a big influence in his life. This episode is brought to you by Dorico, the music notation and composition software from Steinberg. Dorico is a family of products for iPad, Mac OS, and Windows, and you can get started for free with Dorico for iPad in the App Store or Dorico SE for Mac OS and Windows. Visit www.dorico.com to learn more. Hey, Eddie here, Tony's producer. Hey, before getting to the bonus room with Gene and Tony, I just wanted to share a feature of Dorico that I love, and it's not necessarily a feature in the software itself. It's a real sense of a very active and excited community. There's an actual dialogue between those of us who are using it and those that are developing and producing it. The customer and tech support team is really, really incredible. If you run into any roadblocks while learning Dorico, or even if you're trying to do something way out there, the online community is extremely responsive and supportive. They really have your back. And with that, back to Tony and Gene. Well, you're known by so many people as being probably the premier orchestral tuba player, but you also do a lot of other playing. So you've done a number of solo albums, um, and of course you do a lot of solo appearances. Um, you do a lot of chamber music. You actually, when you were in Los Angeles, you played with the, the Studio Sum in Los Angeles. Um, you also played, we played together with Summit Brass, and and yeah, and, and what a tuba section you and on the bottom and Dan Parentoni on top was just great. I still remember one of the things I remember so fondly was just the opening of Royal Fireworks music with the, the chord of starting the organ chord and basically starting with the two tubas, how we started off that piece. Wow. Wow. So that was a great time, but you've done a, a bunch of premieres and, and um, are you still continuing to do solo playing? I am. I, it's mostly kind of associated with, with a seminar that I, that I, have it's called the Picorni Seminar. I didn't pick the name, but I'll, I'll say it, but I won't say it too loud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but that is an inspiration. But whether it was happening or not, I really believe in playing solo recitals at least once a year and playing it in different places um, because you have to keep up your solo chops. You have to you have to run your own show occasionally and put together the the music that really means a lot. The music means a lot to me. And I have some favorite music, some favorite composers, and uh, it raises my level of awareness and certainly makes me play a lot better and, and has me focus in on, on some things. And I can put some of these ideas of, of solo playing to the test. You know, if I, can, if I can sound like Pavarotti playing the tuba with Pavarotti being the, the goal, that pushes me into a place that I probably ought to have been working towards for for, for a long time. So, yeah, I, I love to play. Uh, I love to play the music of Gerald Finzi, who no one's ever heard of. You know, I mean, he was a contemporary of Ralph Vaughan Williams, and he wrote a lot of of uh, vocal music. And uh, the vocal music is based off of poems of, and writings of Thomas Hardy, among other people, and. The music is very, very painful. The poetry writing, it's unrequited love. There's a lot of death. There's all types of great things, you know, and you have a chance to try to put those emotions to, to the test 
when you're just playing a, a solo line and that's that's something that really turns my crank so yes i love to play this play solo repertoire and i get the impression also that one of the reasons why you like to do it is i don't think you ever had a chance to meet him but certainly i would think an important person in your life is stephen covey the author stephen covey who yeah. passed away and one of the things one of his principles he calls it sharpen the saw and i have the feeling that at least part of the reason why you play solo concerts is to sharpen the saw and maybe explain what that is as well sure sharpen the saw is uh the last the seventh of the seven habits of highly effective people which he is a book that he wrote but by the same title seven habits of highly effective people stephen covey i i actually met him once i went to a a, a seminar that he was giving actually I, I i saw him at two lectures uh once in la and one in chicago one in Chicago happened when the orchestra was on strike. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to go see him because, uh, well, I would have been busy. But <laughs> I was I was busy losing money from the orchestra. So I thought, well, I might as well spend the money I'm not making. So I'll go to one of the Stephen Covey seminars. And so I went and saw him there. Uh, ironically, he's from Utah, where I spent five years of my life. And so he has a San Pete County accent which is where you interchange the ARs and the ORs. So you go to St. George, Utah, and you hear a harpsichord <laughs> recital. <laughs> but, but anyway, he, he, he talks about the picture on the wall. Another thing, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of making light of it now, but his ideas as far as putting your life together is extremely good. And where you're doing the right things for yourself. And, uh, and habit seven is sharpen the saw. Every day, you make sure that you are doing something for your physical, for your mental, for your socially, social, emotional, and for your spiritual self. It's a daily victory you want to have. So that means you do something for your brain, you know, make something challenging for yourself. Keep up, uh, do some exercise. Spend time with people because you not because you have time to kill, but because you have time to live, you know, and, and really get into some serious communication with some people. And then your spiritual side, whatever that means for each one of us. So there's that. That's that's habit seven, uh, sharpen the saw. And I would say as far as playing recitals uh, also has to do in kind of a convoluted way with habit five, which is seek first to understand than to be understood. In other words, you're really trying to find out what the composer really wants, what is really behind, what's happening, what's all the music that's happening in between the notes, what's the composer really driving at here? And you have to think a little bit more. It's not just a matter of putting the blinders on and says, well, it says mental forte, oh, yo, oh, yo, oh, yo. <laughs> you know, and you, and you just, just play it mindlessly. It doesn't say to make a crescendo, but the, but the phrase is leading to it, so you might as well do something. What, what does the composer mean by this? You know, what's all these bass notes that are in this, in this Hindemith sonata? Well, it may have been that Hindemith was hearing the Nazi war machine coming through his, his backyard when he, was a, when he was a youngster, which it was. You know, I mean, you just have to think a little bit further than, just, than the ink. So I, I find the principles laid out in that book, Seven Habits of Highlight, to be really, really 
they, they work for me. And he doesn't try to, he doesn't try to push his own brand of religion. I think the world of his, uh, of his, of his ideas. And I'm so glad I was introduced to those ideas uh, a long time ago. And uh, I think it's, it's like a spiral staircase. You get to a certain point of understanding of, of one of the habits and you keep living. And by the time you get to that first habit again, you've, you're at a different level. So you're understanding and it just keeps working. I, I highly, it, I have it as a recommended reading for anyone who comes to study with me. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I, one of the things that uh, I talk about actually when I do clinics some of the times is his concept of the fish tank. If you remember that where, you, you know, you say he has a fish tank where people can't see behind it. And so he says, okay, I'm going to fill up this fish tank. And he puts big boulders in and then says, what, what else? And they said, well, smaller rocks. So he put smaller rocks in and then what pebbles and then what sand. And then is it, you know, it's completely filled up. He says, is there anything else? Well, yeah, water. So puts water in and then says, okay, what's, what's the moral of the story? And most people say it's amazing how much you can get in the fish tank. And he says, no, the moral of the story is the big rocks go in first, meaning in your life, what's the most important thing in your life? And don't let the small stuff take over the big stuff. And I think that's a really profound lesson. Yeah, because if you start doing all the small stuff, if, you, if, you've, if the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is checking email and start responding to that, or you start to respond to tweets and, and, and all that, by the time you do all this other stuff that's important to other people, you answering phone calls and whatever, by the time you get around to the stuff that's really important to you in your life, there's no room. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's over the top of the fish tank. And I heard a different version of that and that, you know, you get the big rocks in and the small rocks and you get the gravel in and when you finally finish it off, you don't fill it up with, with, with water. You fill it up with beer. <laughs> and then, and, 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 okay. Is and, that the Chicago and, take on things? <laughs> yeah. And then? I don't, I, I don't, I don't know when, when that suggestion was probably made at one of those, one of those uh, big meetings at a hotel. <laughs> you know, when Cubby was giving the lecture, I don't know how that would have gone over, you know. But, uh, but uh, yeah, but there's... And the moral of the story is there's always room for beer. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's yeah, that's a very practical approach. Wow. Well, that's yeah. good. Well, yeah. any final thoughts you might have? Try to learn something from everybody, even if what you learn from somebody is exactly what not to do. That yeah, that's great. Treat everybody as kind of a valuable asset, you know, when you're when you when you're doing things. Well, Gene, thanks so much. Great talking. What to a you. kick! Yeah. Oh, this is this is wonderful. I've, I've it, it felt so one sided. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the way it's supposed to be, and I probably talked too much anyway. As it was, no, so, no. Uh, you, you you should be. Have you ever ever interviewed yourself? <laughs> <laughs> well, talking talked, to myself. Yeah, I talk to myself in the car some of the times, but. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure I should talk about that. <laughs> I always win those conversations, too. I always lose them. <laughs> okay. Well, we'd make a perfect team then. Oh, this is great. Well, oh, what a kick. Take care of yourself, and we'll see each other right. sometime soon. Maybe you'll make it over to, to Germany. I, uh, 
I, I would, I would love to. It's been, I was thinking, I just wrote to a friend of mine, Thomas Keller, who plays in the Staatsoper in Berlin. Mm -hmm. And it's been a long time. And of course, uh, Baron Boehm's sick and we haven't been there for a long time. And Berlin's a fantastic place. And I haven't been to Munich in a while. And that's, you know, yeah, I, I should go over to Germany. And I speak a little bit, you know, okay. took a year or two in 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 high school. So, you know, if you can speak a Deutsch in weniger. Don't give up your day job just yet. <laughs> <laughs>